0: Mr. Stefan Muller. Welcome to the Forever Student. Oh, thank you. I think this is a a first where you're not the one interviewing, you're the one being interviewed. I think it's the
1: second time, but it's the first time you and I are doing a podcast. It is. And what better reason do we have than you finishing 100k? There we go. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: You know what? We have a list of questions from everyone that sent you on Instagram. And even when I told some people that I'm sitting down with you, I got some questions. But before I get to other people's questions, I'm going to ask you, one question <laughs> and just a little bit of backstory to this for people that don't know i've known stefan since 2013 all right and i've known him through all the stages that he went through by the way all right we're not going to see all of them in details because it's a halal podcast mm. all right but we used to have a really good time we used to go out a lot you know what i mean like 4 a.m and sleep until 12 and then throughout that journey when we were much younger stefan you had a a change, mm-hmm. all right? And to me, it started when, and I don't know if it was all of a sudden, but to me it was all of a sudden. You, he, he comes to me and he goes like, I'm going to a silent retreat, mm-hmm. all right? And from there, that kind of, that switch changed in his head where when he came back, I think you learned a lot about yourself um, or you were even eager to learn more about yourself because of what you learned throughout that retreat. And you started going through throughout that path past more of like mental health, wellness, uh, and a better lifestyle. So before we get into why the 100K, which I'm sure all of us want to wanna know why the hell did you choose 100K, let's go back through time and take me through the process
1: of that switch. Okay. That's a very good question. Thank you. I'm trying to think of when when that happened. I was I think I was 27. 2016, I think, no? Yeah, I think 2000. Yeah, the silent retreat was in 2017. And what I remember vividly was a few months before that i was working at nike i was working on a startup and i was doing my mba yeah. all at the same time and i don't struggle with like time management i don't struggle with sacrifice i never really have what i struggle with a lot was like switching attention between those three things so like working until 6pm coming home then studying then working on the startup idea so like 16 18 hour days now there came a point where and i remember this so vividly um it was a big shift in my mindset it was a big shift in my life where i was reading through a finance book preparing for a test and like three pages in i was like what am i doing you know the question you ask yourself like why like why am i doing this and typically what i did was i would go on youtube and i would like watch a Gary V. talk and just let him scream at me for two minutes hmm. and like after those two minutes it was like Stefan just get back to work sort of thing and then you just get back to it and you beast it out. Old damn Gary. Yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, this time I stumbled upon a Gary no sorry a Jay Shetty video and the Jay Shetty video was with Tom Bilio on impact theory and the question that he asked was why do we do what we do and then I took that question and I started applying it to the rest of my life. So. Why do we wear what we wear, eat what we eat, live where we live, drive what we drive, work where we work, hang out with who we hang out with. Like basically just questioning everything. And I don't think we do that enough or ever do that really, especially in that depth. And so I did this from like 11 PM until like 3 AM, where I just started writing and like thinking and whatever else. And so the first thing that popped into mind was like, why am I doing this MBA? Like. For whoever doesn't know, my mom's Indian. So like education and security is typically quite important. Like, is that something why I'm doing it? or to make my parents proud? Or is it for status? Or is it for um, actually? Salary or whatever yeah, or saying. is it is it for the network? Or is it actually yeah. to progress your knowledge? And there's no wrong answer. But like you need to answer those questions and then see, is that what's in line with who I am and what I want to be and what I want to do? And for me, the answers didn't add up. So the next morning I quit my MBA. The next morning I stopped working on this startup. I continued at Nike and immediately I started becoming a bit more self-aware. I started becoming uh, more in tune with myself. And then August came around. So this was in May, August came around and like somehow stumbled upon the silent retreat. I don't even know where it came from. Um, but it's a place called Kopan Monastery in Nepal. They have a website, which was like impressive to begin with because it's literally like a Buddhist monastery, 200 Tibetan uh, Buddhist monks live there. And you can basically go there and take a course. Like you can do a course in uh, the principles of Buddhism and how to apply them to your daily life. So that's what I did. I did 10 days of silence. And then you had these teachings going on at the same time. And then you had like six hours of meditation a day. And you don't have a phone, you don't have your uh, laptop. Like you don't have any connection with the outside world. But obviously like, your parents would have the phone number of the monastery in case you wanted to get in touch or whatever. So that for me was like a gigantic breakthrough moment. Like that was a time where you learn so much about yourself. And and the main reason I would actually recommend it to quite a few people is it's the only time that you're going to be in a room or in a space where you're forced to confront your thoughts. So you have to like, Whenever we have a difficult thought that enters our mind, the first thing we do is distract ourselves, right? We watch Netflix, we message this person, like yeah. whatever it may be, there's so much distractions already around us. So we don't necessarily take the time and say, okay, cool, let's deal with this. This was a time where for 10 days, whatever came to your mind, there was no escaping it. You had, to de- you had to go through it. So whether this is trauma, whether this is doubt, whether this is like anxieties, it doesn't matter. You have to deal with it, good and bad. And I came back from that. And I think that was the time where the shift really happened. Where I started looking at life very differently, Um, not in the sense of like, oh, I'm gonna run 100k and like push myself physically later. Yeah, Yeah, but at least mental awareness, mental awareness, like self awareness, uh, prioritizing myself. Yeah, but also like thinking in a much like healthier way. True. Not just physically healthy in terms of like, okay, let's start really caring about what we eat and what we drink, and like let's stop partying as much. but also just mentally, like, implementing practices yeah. on a day-to-day, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, whether it's whatever, and normalizing that. Because I think yeah. in our society, like, things like journaling were like, oh, bro, you journal. It was very taboo. But, yeah, like, who yeah. does that? You know, like, now I think we're at a stage where it's being normalized because there's so much benefit in it. Um, I think I think also what you learned, and maybe this is to put it
0: another way, I think it also taught you what what a different meaning of being happy because I remember like for us being happy was all right let's go out uh, let's see our friends let's stay up at night let's party let's travel um, and that for us was being happy but then you came back with a different meaning of happiness where yes that is something that makes you happy but there are other ways that can make you happy internally and externally and that's what you started applying
1: towards your life totally yeah I think it became like like you start simplifying you start simplifying happiness right like like you start looking at what are the things I truly need to be happy. Um, and typically, once you really get to, a, you get to a point where it's not material goods anymore, True. where it's, it's family, it's friendships, it's relationships, it's uh, mental and physical health. Like if you have all of those things and you have security in your life to an extent, obviously that like you have food on the table and like a roof above your head, then like your bases are covered yeah versus what we used to think i mean akawi and i used to have discussions around this about like which car are we going to drive and like yeah where are we going to eat and uh where are we going to go out and all these sort of things and like we associated that recognition and that like status with being cool and accepted and but whatever your first else.
0: car was a camaro
1: bro yeah i know <laughs> mistake of the century from my side um but yeah that you're right. It yeah. definitely shifted as well. Um, um, before
0: before we switch to 100K, and I know this is why we're here, but would, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why I'm going to ask you these questions. Because when you were in Italy or when people uh, that, that know that we're best friends saw me out and they go like, Stefan is doing 100K? Since when? Like, why? What's And I was like, it's something that he wants to do it's between him and himself it's not for anyone else uh but it's also and they're like since when was he like this and i used to mention the silent retreat and everyone said the same thing like i don't think i can handle myself doing that the it's silent retreat the silent so if you had to and and this is going to be the end of the, about the silent yeah, treat, yeah, so you yeah. can get into the but because this was a frequently asked question to me when i was out about you or in general about the silent retreat like for people that as soon as i said silent retreat and i said 10 days to what, to what you just mentioned, they go into shock. No, I can't do that. It's it's too hard. I can't even last a couple of hours. So if someone wants to go and do that, what are the couple of steps that you recommend to them to do either before or how should they think in order to make that decision to go to the silent retreat?
1: Yeah, I think um, one comment immediately I'll say is that like being silent is really not that difficult. Like even for me when I went, like the being silent is not, like that challenging, That the, the hard part about it was I was learning so much, like emotionally and like there so many breakthroughs. And I wanted to discuss that with people. Like I wanted to share that with people um, and like just have those discussions with the people that were around me, right? Like, I think that was the only time where I was like, oh, I really want to talk. Um, <laughs> but when I finished the 10 days, I could have, I almost didn't want to speak. Like it was just such a, you get into such a peaceful state. So the first thing is it's not that difficult. The second thing is you do need to, two things. I think one is you need to become very aware of your words. I believe that we speak a lot more than we need to. So that's one thing. And the second thing is like start practicing solitude, right? The first step is, can you spend like 10 minutes by yourself, it doesn't need to be a meditation. Like you can literally just sit on the couch, put your phone away, like put everything off and just sit for 10 minutes. Can you do that? Like start building it up. The the silent retreat for me was extremely challenging, but I practiced, I practiced meditation. I practiced being quiet. I, uh, I went through that training in order to get there. And I think that's super important. Like the same way I would train for a race, the same way you gotta train for, right. you gotta prepare for everything in life. Right, no matter how big or small it is. Uh, So you can't just jump into it because like the results are not gonna be as you would want them to be. So I think the two things are like, kind of start like looking at your day-to-day and how much you're talking and these sort of things and also analyzing other people. And the second thing is uh, practicing solitude, even if it's five minutes, one minute, two minutes, 10 minutes a day. 100%, and I think you're
0: right. We do speak more more than we listen. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's that's a that's something that we need to be aware about now speaking of listening it's our turn to listen to you <laughs> for the most important question of today Stefan Muller why 100k okay
1: <laughs> I know I know <sighs> I, yeah I get to, I get asked this question a lot and I typically get asked it after like someone saying oh you're you're like you've lost your mind or you're crazy uh, and I would have agreed with you I think like 10 years ago because 10 years ago when I was training my coach uh, João, he was running 100k runs and I like I genuinely thought there was something wrong with him like I, I thought because <laughs> he was just running it for fun like yeah, yeah. like it wasn't there wasn't an inc- like there wasn't a prize or there wasn't any like he was just waking up early on the weekends um, and like going out for long runs and then running 100k and I just didn't grasp it <clears throat> until obviously recently but hmm. I've been so I've been training for this for a year and I decided to do this. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, why? The why has become a lot more clear. As can, yeah, can I ask
0: you, and as soon as you answered the why, can you tell me if the why changed, or did you did you add on more to your why before you did it, and after you did it? Did the why
1: change? Hundred percent. Okay. So, in in 2018, I ran the Beirut Marathon, mm, forty two kilometers. Um, and I trained super hard for it. And the harder you train, the easier the race becomes. The race was, was easy enough for me to finish it and say, I want to do an ultra marathon. And that was just physical challenge at mm-hmm. that point. Um, the first thing that came to mind was a hundred, just cause it made sense from a numbers standpoint, right? As I, as time progressed and I then like looked at the hundred a bit more seriously, there were three There were three main reasons. Reason number one was I wanted to prove to myself that it's doable and that I can be almost in this. And it was like such a—it's not selfish, but it's such a strange reason where it's like you want to belong to the elite of the elite. I was like, you're allowed to to be to say selfish. Yeah, you're
0: allowed to be selfish when it comes to things like this. I
1: wanted to be. I wanted to be uncommon. Like I didn't want to. Like a marathon, I was like, okay, fantastic. And already like you're like 0.1% or 0.01% of people like run a marathon. But I was like, I want to push that a little bit further. Like, what is it that people are going to look at me and going to be like, you have lost your mind. How are you going to do that? That fueled you. That fueled me, right? So the first thing was prove to myself that I could do it. Because when people ask me like, how are you going to do that? I was like, oh, you know what? I actually don't know. I this was, when
0: you told me I said over how many days the Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I get that a lot. Yeah. Or it's like, are you gonna are you gonna keep running? Like how many times do you get to stop? And I was like, you don't like you, <laughs> <laughs> it's one race. Um, but so the first thing was like really prove it to myself, both physically and mentally, and just like that there's no limits, right? Like, like the human being is an incredible machine that can run and can endure and like can we go on. We underestimate the human body. right. We underestimate it and we underestimate ourselves. Yeah. Like you, like someone might look at me and say, "Well, he can do it, but there's no way I can do it." Ugh. I guarantee you can do it, right? Like it's been it's been a long time in the making for me. It's not like an overnight thing, and I've always been an athlete, which is like obviously aided to me being able to do this. Um, but you can also do it. So that was point number one. Point number two was to inspire people to find their hundred K. Now when I run hundred K that simply means I've set a gigantic goal for myself, which is extremely int- intimidating. And at the time of me setting that goal, it's totally impossible for me to achieve it, right? Like a year ago, I would never be able to run it just for context. I struggled in January of last year to run a 10 K. So just to give you a bit of context, so in 15 months, in 14 months, like that transformed. Now, I don't think everyone should run 100K, but I think you should find like that big goal, right? Like the big thing that you want to work towards. Um, It could be learning an instrument, learning a language. It could be starting a business. It could be running a 5K. It could be another physical goal, like whatever that may be. Make it something that's going to take you a year of work to get there. Because for me, goals that are worthy are not goals that you can reach next week or the week after. Right. Or like from a scale standpoint. So another thing was that the last thing was exactly the point around goal setting. I wanted to set a massive goal, 12 months where I had to completely transform as a human being, right? Because the thing is with training like this is you have to sacrifice nights out, social relationships, time with family, food alcohol, whatever it may be, you have to sacrifice it. It's not going to happen. Number two is you have to build this like relentless discipline, right? Like you have to wake up at 4 a.m. on a Sunday and go and run six hours. No one wants to do that, right? Including myself. Like when the alarm clock goes off, I'm like, oh my God, let's go run for six hours. Like, oh God, I have to do this. But I know if I don't do it, I'm further removed from this goal. Um, So so setting that big goal and for me to transform as a person was something that was very important to me and I knew that the person that was going to finish that race was going to be a different person than the person I was at point That's of starting, the point of starting, starting it, right? And that for me was very exciting because I'm like, imagine the mental and physical transformation I'm going to go through throughout this journey and imagine if you reach it. Like, it was very much a like, what if, you know? Everyone's like, oh, you can't do it, this, that, that. I'm like, what if I can't? Like, what if I finish this 100K 12 months from now? It'll be insane, like for me personally. And so those were kind of the three main the three main reasons all
0: right and you mentioned a lot about sacrifice and uh, throughout when you were mentioning your journey and the reasons so tell me how you managed that like how like mentally how you sacrifice sleep when you know you could have just slept for an extra hour or the trade-offs so whether if it's dinners whether if it's nights out whether if it's uh, the occasional beer that you want to have with the boys so how do you manage all that the sacrifice the trade-offs
1: So the first thing was, uh, communication. So having a very clear like chat with my boys, my family, with my wife and say, like, I'm not going to be there as much for the next 12 months. Um, I'm not going to be able to come to a lot of the things that you guys schedule and do, and I hope you can respect that. Like, because this is something that I want to do. And everyone I spoke to was like, yo, like we have your back we're we're here to support
0: between you and yourself what did you tell yourself in order to make that sacrifice so telling people and getting their support it's sometimes easy sometimes not depending on people but you know if they love you they're going to be behind 100 what did you tell yourself in order to keep that consistency and tell yourself that you know what i'm
1: going to lose time with family and loved ones so the, the, the why needs to be strong enough okay right so as long and it's with any goal like if the why is strong enough everything else will follow if the why is is inauthentic artificial etc like one of those things is gonna is not gonna work whether it's a discipline piece the work ethic or like the sacrifice or whatever so for me it took a lot of like internal just writing things down and goal setting and meditating on it and whatever else in order for me to really cultivate and like narrow down these are the reasons why i do it and are they strong enough yeah for me to stick with this for 12 months and then you create a support system around you Right, like the the type of people I hung out with over the last twelve months, um, whether it's yourself, whether it's my coaches, whether it's the entire support system of 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 people, whether it's Asma or my family or um, or my other friends, they were so like dialed into this goal, where it almost became a little bit their goal as well, in order for me to achieve this. Yeah. So whether it came down to food or like where are we going to eat tonight or like going to sleep on time or like whatever it may be everyone was super aware of this and they understood it which was like the most helpful thing in the world right um so we got a couple of questions about because we all know you
0: had you had you had an injury uh, mm. throughout this and we, there's a question about injury and recovery but before we get to that before the injury what was the lowest point that you went through like there, the, and 100 there was a low point what was it why did it happen and how did you get out of it and i know probably because you had a strong why but there's but if it's a low point the why isn't just enough so what what what, what yeah through that
1: well so the low point was and when did it happen so it happened in uh oof, i think end of january
0: that was the what? Like, when did you decide to do it
1: i decided to do it in may last year okay And i january. registered in august uh-huh Uh, Everything was going super smoothly. Mm. And then in end of Jan, I got sick and injured at the same time. So I was sick for eight days. I couldn't get out of bed for eight days. Mm. And then I went back to train one day and I got injured and was out of running for like two weeks. That was by far my lowest point. Like that was- The injury was your lowest point. that, That basically that period for eight days of being on the couch sick and not being able to work out at all. And mind you, like we're two and a half months away from the race, right? So those two things combined for me- Was your lowest point? Yeah, because it brought so much doubt to my mind. I was like, how am I going to finish this run? If, and maybe it was also because like, I felt like I hadn't done enough yet. Like Mm -hmm. I was kind of, so for everyone listening, like the way it works with ultra training, for instance, is the couple of months before your run is when you have the most volume just in terms of like you run the most miles or kilometers miles per week so i was about to go into that mm. right like so for me it was also a very key point so all of a sudden like for 16 20 days i'm not able to run um and so a lot of things are going to your mind about you know am i going to be able to finish finish this race like what if i can't um Et cetera, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So I think that was definitely the uh, the low point.
0: And was it just doubt or was it was it also withdrawal symptoms because you've been running for like nine, mm-hmm. ten mm-hmm. months, and then you had two weeks without running, and you felt that that routine got broken, or you know you didn't get your, your dosage?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Because like running, running also became like a meditation, mm. right? So it always meditation slash therapy. Like you go out for long runs over the weekend. Yes, they're very difficult. And yes, it was hot. And yes, this and that, but like that time by yourself for hours on end, um, it's almost like a silent retreat, right? Like you, I don't listen to music when I run, so it's like totally quiet. Um, I'm in the mountains typically, so there's no one around you. And, um, and to not have that for a few weeks, I think you're right. I haven't even thought about that, but I think you're right. Like that also definitely got to me. And it's like for yourself, right? Like when you can't exercise for, yeah, 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 I know. for a week, I yeah. And you've had this recently, where like you couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't run anything. Yeah, you couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't that, run. I couldn't play paddle. I couldn't do anything. And mentally, one, there's this thing of something is holding me back, right? Like you, yeah. you can't do it because there's an injury. Yeah. And then the second thing is the act of doing it brings you so much like yeah. peace, fulfillment, etc. No, no, I become like
0: I become ob- I be- I became obnoxious, and you know what's the funny thing is that I told people beforehand. I'm like, listen. There's two hours a day that I'm missing on on releasing energy and releasing stuff, which is probably still stored in me. So if I'm uh, uh, really qu- quick or like yeah. uh, you know like snappy, snappy or whatever, like I apologize <laughs> in advance.
1: You know, but do I mean? you? Um, and the thing is, I guess there's also no other like there's no alternative, right? Like maybe it's meditation or something like that, but it's not like this physical exertion, yeah. like, that you can get. To so me,
0: it's it's like you, you feel that part of your me time has
1: has has gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also the time that, like, it's one of the rare times that we're not connected. True. Right? Like, when you play paddle for an hour and a half, like, it's not like you're checking your phone midpoint. True. Like, you're just, like, you're off. And, like, now when you're injured, you're connected the entire day. 100%. Yeah. So, that's probably another thing that, yeah. like, gets to you.
0: So, for for a lot of us that have never done 100K, mm-hmm. uh, take me through your training plan and your recovery plan.
1: Okay. So... Again, like I'm very lucky and grateful that I trained with someone who had run 100K before. So he obviously- For fun.
0: He runs 100K for fun. For fun.
1: God bless you, Joao. Yeah. I guess I also did it for fun, but he, um, he knew the ins and outs, right? So he knew about strength, endurance, nutrition, like the whole nine yards. When me and him first got together, he's like, okay, cool. He's like, it's quite simple, just in terms of structurally speaking. He's like, the first few months are going to be very much focused on strength. So you're going to build the muscles that you need in order to run. Um, and you're going to do this for, like, we're, we're in the gym four times a week. And we're running twice a week. And those two times per week were literally like hour, one hour runs. Like, they weren't like super long runs. And we did this for like a good three months. So for three months, I wouldn't run more than, and we're talking like mate, may june july i wouldn't run more than 10k in one go and it was very strength focused the longer time went on the strength work started coming down and the runs started dialing up i wouldn't run on average i wouldn't run more than three times a week okay um twice during the week and those runs were typically 10k upwards between 10 and 20k um and then the weekends would be the long runs so the weekends i mean i went to shauka which is uh, an hour away from Dubai. And it's basically like the mountains and the desert. I went to Shaka almost every weekend after the Dubai summer until like two weeks before the race. And uh, and spent a lot of time training there. And that was, I loved it. It was super like, to someone else it might be super boring because basically what we did was, it was a five and a half K up, five and a half K down loop where you're just running through trail. And I would run that like three, four times um, and would spend like four, five, six hours there just running up and down, running up and down. And the reason we did the up and down is just because that we had the car at the starting point and the car would have like cool box <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like the whole nine yards in it. So like that was like the fueling point. Um, but yeah, so we, we started off a lot of strength work that decreased. Volume of running increased. And um, towards the end, think the last like three weeks before we started tapering down was like hell weeks like those were like i would do four runs in two days followed by a six hour run on a sunday Um, that was the volume part that was the volume part and this was like it's also a confidence builder because like you finish if you can finish runs like that where you're running 15k in the morning 15k in the evening 15k the following day 15k the following evening and then 60k or sorry 40k like the day after that, if you can finish those three days, I mean, like psychologically, you start feeling very confident about yourself and your ability. So that was, um, yeah, that was a very interesting, it was a very interesting journey because you you start learning a lot about your own limits and like where you can go and what you can do.
0: Before we get to the race recovery. Mm -hmm. So you just mentioned that there were days where you had 15 kilometers, morning, 15 kilometers at night the next day, same, and then a day of 40 or four days a week of strength training. Take me through your recovery process because, bro, me being injured and me for the past couple of years understanding more about recovery, it's super important, but how do you, how do you, what kind of recovery did you do for something of this magnitude?
1: Okay. So I'll break it down um, to also make it like a little bit more actionable because like obviously people listening to this, you know, your type of training will differ to my training but like there's certain principles that um that are very helpful starting with sleep i never sleep less than eight hours a night till day like i always sleep eight between eight and nine hours um hugely beneficial right because the, the recovery happens yeah. overnight the second thing was uh nutrition so i'm on i was on a very clean very clean diet um with Ma- matter nutrition here in dubai meal plan company here in dubai I was on 3,000 calories a day, roughly, just because I was burning around that. Yeah. And um, my macros were very much in place, just in terms of the, the the split between protein, fats, and carbs. And so there was that. Then there was the supplementation piece. So supplementation for the people out there, one, one important note I'll make is, like, it, everything depends on your blood work right? Like for Akawi to go and take X amount of magnesium and fish oil and this and that like is great, but like you wouldn't know how much to take if it's not based on like data, Mm. stuff that's going on in your body. Now you can find companies like Bionic that will come to your house and like do your blood work and basically tailor a supplement to your blood work, or you can get your blood work done and do it yourself. Yeah. Right. Like figure out yourself. Okay, cool. Like I'm I'm deficient in magnesium and vitamin D. Let me up that. So I did a bunch of blood work ongoing and adjusted my supplement dose accordingly. um, And that was all through Bionic or you also did some stuff by yourself? No, so I did Bionic and then supplemented on top because one of the things that I learned was something like magnesium depletes much faster when you're very active, right? So Bionic, the Bionic supplement was based on a snapshot of my health or my blood but wouldn't take into account like how my burn rate of magnesium you get what i'm saying so i would up that dosage um so i would take the the staples vitamin d vitamin c um magnesium citrate and uh Mm omega-3 so i take that and then i had like more, I suppose, special supplements like Unbroken, which I know you've taken before as well. I love Unbroken. Which is like a live muscle recovery. um, Naturally made from salmon. Naturally made from salmon. You just pop it into your water and you drink it like before, after, or during your workout. So that was super helpful. I would take NMN. I would take take a whole bunch of different things, but like that really helped with recovery. And then like fueling correctly for my workouts. So that one comes with like the nutrition piece, mm-hmm. knowing when to eat, when to drink, yeah. hydrate. Um, and then like during my runs, ensuring I take the right amount of carbs through carb bars, gels, um, sodium, hydration, etc. And then the last piece i would mention obviously is hydration. So hydration is super, super important, like just to generally function during the day, but also as someone who's an athlete or is performing. And I'll give you my best possible thing that I can tell you, like if you're drinking water regularly and you know this, there's no electrolytes in it, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no magnesium, potassium or sodium in it. And you're losing these things throughout the day. You lose these things extra when you sweat, Yeah. when you sweat where well, you're losing salt, salt equals sodium. So how to replenish this and keep it at the same level. There's a bunch of different, um, like sachets and brands that you can buy. One is Humantra, which is like based here in Dubai, which I highly recommend for anyone who's like not as active, but wants to focus on their hydration. Uh, I take a company, I take a brand called Element, which is like super aggressively high in sodium, but it's something that I needed. And man, like we'll get into the actual race soon, but that was my number one game changer or savior during the run um, was Element. It was like just totally unmatched. Like, you take it, and then all of a sudden, like, your energy bumps yeah. up, you know? So, That's that was very high on sodium. Yeah. As a, as a as a Arab, I
0: must ask, you didn't have any dates? Oh, no, I did. Oh, okay, just check, because dates are
1: important. Uh, dates, and by the way, dates are, like, best possible pre-workout for me.
0: Or during the run. Or I had dates when I, I just did
1: a 10K. You know,
0: I was zero shy from what Stefan did, but I had, like,
1: eight dates inside my running uh, pouch. Yeah, I think for me, the str- I don't know if you have this, but for me, the struggle after a little bit longer like i would say early on in the run i'd be able to take it but then just the act of like chewing and stuff was a bit hard for me yeah it was
0: annoying yeah Yeah. you're
1: right but honestly dates and anyone like anyone could tell you this who who was interacting me over the last 12 months like i'll have like five six dates today nice i love them and they're so good for you like i just i just read some research on it like how beneficial they are to your health
0: I think me and you have. I think me and you both of us follow Tamara, and she posted something about dates, so it's that one. That's good. <laughs> um, what about um, ice baths, massages, um, anything around that? Before so we, before we go back to the good series,
1: so, so a couple of things. Oh yeah, sorry, I, I did forget to mention uh, that part of recovery. So I went to see a physio um, probably once every two weeks. Okay, I went to Anatomy Rehab here in Dubai. Um, I spoke to a lot of people who have been through something similar. Tamarakazi is one of them, um, who always pointed me in the right direction around recovery. I did saunas. I didn't do ice baths. And one of the reasons I didn't do it is there's, so there's a few studies on it, which, which say that you need to let your body naturally inflame in order to heal itself. Um, and that if you're doing strenuous exercise, to not do an ice bath at least five hours until that finishes. Okay. Uh, in order for your body to go through this inflammation process. And the thing is, I was always working on it. Yeah.
0: But is that why you stopped the trend of like sending us pictures with you dipping your feet into a. Uh, that I ice still, bucket?
1: I did that once in a while. <laughs> I did that once in a while, but it was more like psychological. Okay. Um, nice. Although I do think it helped a lot but I stopped doing it directly after my okay. after my runs. <laughs> I started doing it, like if I wasn't working out on any given day, I would do it in the evenings. Um, so I didn't really do ice baths. I did a lot of sauna. Um, I did a lot of physio, a lot of massage. And, um, and yeah. Good on you. Yeah. yeah. So
0: training's done you get onto this plane how many days before the race did you get to italy
1: so we went so the race was on the 25th of march we went on the 20th
0: okay getting take me through that mental did you train when you were in italy before the race did you do any training do any runs
1: yeah so we went for one like 30 minute run okay like as soon as we landed because like one of the things about traveling is like you got to reset your body Mm. So as soon as you land, got to the hotel, dropped our stuff off, and we went for like a 30 minute run. Okay. But that was, that was it.
0: So take me through those five days before the race You're in Italy. You saw the 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 track where you're going to start. You're not training. It's just go to, You're just fueling. What was going through your head every single day getting closer?
1: Yeah. So, uh, so for everyone who's listening, we did the race in Italy, uh, in, in an area called Chianti, which is like in Tuscany we landed in rome spent a couple of days in rome and i came i arrived with like a bunch of instructions from my coach he was like firstly run as soon as you land secondly he's like there's gonna be a lot of temptations in terms of food and you're gonna think like carbs i need carbs and you're gonna think all carbs are kind of the same um so he was like it's very important that you like one eat as clean as possible like don't take any um, cream or cheese yeah. or like don't overdo it on meat and fr- obviously fried stuff and whatever, but also don't overdo it on fiber. Like don't have too many vegetables and and these sort of things. He's like, now is really time to carb, right? But like do it in a healthy-ish way. Okay. So you're basically gonna have um, plain pasta with tomato sauce, toast with honey, toast with jam and peanut butter and whatever and like that's and that's sort of it so so the diet part of it was like very boring um hydrated took a lot of elements took all my supplements continuously just let like my body um my body do its thing when we got to chianti (laughs) when we got to chianti yeah uh, we we saw like like we saw where, like kind of the roots of how, where we were gonna run and and man, like we were so intimidated. Like it was my friend Louie and I, um, and Asma was there too. And like we would go for walks and we would see, cause they already set up the course, right? So we would see like the signs of, okay, run this way and run that way and run this way and run that. And we were like, it's only uphills and downhills. Like, like everywhere we walked, it was up a slope or that's down not a slope. The brochure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is not because also like from a training standpoint, yes, we train in the mountains and yes, it was up or downhill, but like didn't overly focus on like 90% of it being uphill, right? Or downhill. Um, like we ran a lot of flats and like mm. so I spoke to my coach and I was like, Listen, like this is the deal. Like this is kind of and maybe that's just a failure on my side in terms of preparation. Uh, and understanding a bit more about the course. But also another fun fact is like, no one spoke English there. So whenever we would reach out to the organization and even ask them about simple things like, oh, where should we book our hotel? They're like, sorry, we don't speak like, Italiano only, you know? And I was like, okay.
0: I, just... think, I think what you didn't do is study your opponent. And I think Basically. For, for, for people that uh, that have such goals, they, they refer, like you saw the track, you're like, I'm gonna dominate this track, but you need to see that track as an opponent or you need to really understand your opponent because any fighter or basketball team or tennis player or whatever they understand their opponent whether if it's how they play uh, any habits they do and this is where you should have studied the track where you didn't
1: because you're like i'm just going to train to run 100k yeah 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 knowing there was up and down like i wasn't yeah. under the assumption how much, like yeah i percent? wasn't under the assumption that like we were not going to have any uh up and down. any inclines but yeah. like just the extent of it we were unaware of so we went to um we went to pick up our like kit and all that kind of stuff the day before the race. And like, saw a lot of the people that were taking part, Um, And everyone was like so much older than us. (laughs) Like we, so I'm 33, Louis 33. And I think like the next person was like 38, 39 upwards. And we're like, this is like one, this is like super interesting that that it's an older crew. Um, Two, what are we, what are we gonna run when we're 38? Yeah. Yeah. Secondly, um, everyone had sticks. So uh, like for people who don't know, like a lot of the time when you're hiking or like you're doing trail runs, like people use these sticks um, in order to one, run faster and walk faster, but two, like just to minimize impact. And Louie and I were like, like sticks is a weakness. (laughs) So we were like, we're not gonna do sticks. And we were probably, so there were 250 people running in the race, there were probably four people who didn't do sticks. Two of those people probably didn't finish. And then mm-hmm. there was Louie and I. <laughs> so we should have probably we had this discussion the day after. Um, like admitting to our weakness uh and saying next time we do this, we're gonna yeah, use sticks. sticks. Yeah. yeah. Use sticks. So that was kind of the days leading up to it. Like we slept really well, we slept long. Um, we minimized any physical activity during the mm-hmm. day. We would go for walks, we would stretch a bit. But uh but outside of that, like not much at all. Nice. Yeah. Now, race day, you're standing there before they before they
0: did the countdown or shot the gun or whatever it was. Tell me what what went down.
1: Yeah, so we uh, we woke up at two a.m. on um, Godly hour. So we went to sleep at like <laughs> seven. We tried to go to sleep at seven p.m. and uh, kind of worked. I mean, I got like six hours of sleep, which was more than uh, more than I expected. Louie and I woke up. We had a bunch of food, like whatever we can like stomach at that point, mm. headed to the race village. And uh thing, mind you, it's quite cold. Mm. Like it was like eight, I think it was like eight degrees. So, and coming from Dubai, like I was, yeah. I had the most layers on from anybody yeah, yeah. there. Like I had gloves on, like I had the whole nine yards. <laughs> and uh, thank God that I did. Um, but you don't, like the feeling of, like the feeling of being at that start line, is a strange one because like you're, you're there, you're I'm there now. No, there's no way I'm gonna get back. That hundred percent. Oh, that no hundred percent. Yeah. Like we looked around, saw a lot of sticks, um, <laughs> which like further just like demotivated us about the stick part, or actually fueled us. I think. Yeah. Where we were like, we're the we're the tough guys here, um, but you don't get that feeling of like butterflies because you know you don't, you no said, uh, because you know you're gonna be there for a very long time. Yeah. Right, So it's not like a 10K where you're trying to finish in like 35, 40 minutes. Um, it's more like, okay, cool. Like we're going to start now. This is going to be the whole of the next day is going to be dedicated to this. Um, we purposely started last. Like we went to the back of the pack because we were like, we don't have sticks. We don't No, more like. 'll be it'll be rewarding to start at the back and then slowly take people on mm. versus starting at the front and then people taking you on mm. uh, just from a motivation standpoint like if you see people 100 meter in the distance I like just want to go after yeah. them and like um, and take them over but that was sort of the feeling at the that was the feeling at the beginning what was your fueling strategy throughout this whole race so going going in I had a few really, really good conversations with people who have done this before, which was super helpful. Um, Those people basically told me, they were like, listen, there's a few things you need to keep in mind. One is you need to consume X amount of carbs. I'm not going to bore everyone with like the exact stats, but like X amount of carbs per hour, um, X amount of water per hour, and then like salt, right? Like you need to get salt into your body. So, the three things, the four things that I had were this carb bar from a brand called Morton. Uh, and Morton is by far the best when it comes to fueling for endurance racing. It's super clean and like easy to consume. So, I had the bars, carb bars. I had gels, one was caffeinated, one was non caffeinated. I had salt tablets, 100 mg of sodium. And then I had water all in this backpack, right? How much did the backpack weigh? Good question. So like it was a liter and a half of water mm-hmm. and then imagine like 10 protein bars Okay. Um, and then my phone and I think that was it. Like it had an extra t-shirt or something okay. inside. Um, so it was pretty heavy to begin with, yeah. right? Like and then it becomes less and less and less until you get to the fueling station and you refuel. So every 45 minutes um, every 40, no, every hour I would get a gel in and a a few bites of the cart bar, and then every hour and 15 minutes i would uh take a salt tablet and then throughout the hour i would drink water okay like every, for my strategy was kind of like every time we're walking up an uphill i would take a few sips of water um so that was sort of, sort of the strategy knowing that like we we're going to pass a lot of the fueling stations so every 15 kilometers there's a fueling station that you stop at they have uh it was funny because it's italy so they <laughs> have wine (laughs) in
0: case you don't want to continue (laughs) yeah
1: they had wine cold cuts and cheese which for me was like hilarious but then they had pasta then they had like nutella with white toast they had brownies they had fruits they had like a bunch of different things so in the beginning the strategy was like just get as many carbs in as possible so i would just like eat pasta plain pasta with olive oil would you stop and eat or would you take it and while you No, you would you would stop for about we would stop for about a minute two minutes okay um I kind of just kept moving because I know from previous experiences, if I stop moving or if I sit down, it's game over. Yeah. Your legs will think you're done. Yeah. Uh, With other people, they can do it. Like I see a lot of people sitting down, standing up and going again, like props to them, but I just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. So that was in the beginning. But then the fueling strategy towards the end is you can't like physically consume more of these card bars. Like you just like, I couldn't stomach them. Whenever I had a gel, like I would almost like gag because I was like, this is disgusting. Like I don't want any more of these. The salt tablets started tasting horrible. So then the strategy was whenever you get to a fueling station, whatever seems appealing to you, eat it, right? Like whether it's the pasta, whether it's the cold cuts, the cheese, like candy, whatever it is, like whatever you wanna consume, consume it because your body's like attracted to it, right? So like, I was like eating candy, like I probably had like a handful of candy, like just sugar. Then I ate a bunch of pasta, the wine was still a no go for me because I was like, who in the right mind is <laughs> drinking wine during an ultra? Um, so it was things like that. And then element, I mean, just saved my life. Every fueling station, I would take a sachet of element, put it into a 0.5 liter bottle of water, That's and just drink that over like a five minute period. Okay. And it was like I was back to life. Um, so I think that was, yeah, I think that kind of summarizes the feeling. What was the most difficult thing in this 100K? Oh, God. It's very. It's a very obvious one for me. So, there were two instances. Um, Again, just to summarize, so that people can visualize this, you're on a trail, you're running, um, you start in the dark, right, four a.m., and you finish in the dark. Um, So this is the most difficult, most scariest part of the run. You're gonna tell us. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell. Yeah, a combination of the two. Um, It's a. It's a lot of uphills and downhills. I think 90 to 95% was uphill downhill. 5% of it was flat. And so like when, I think when we reached the 50 K mark, there was a five kilometer, seven kilometer uphill. So imagine like pretty running seven kilometers generally, it's not like the easiest thing in the world, but it's, it was only uphill. So like it would go uphill for like, let's say 200 meters, then it would go straight for like 10 meters, because you just wouldn't see that stretch. Mm. And then it would go uphill again. This went on for 7K. And like, so Louis and I, our strategy was like, walk the uphills, uh run the downhills, run the flats. And I hadn't ever hiked 5K uphill only, right? Like I've never done that before. Um Nor did we know that it was coming, 7K, sorry. Nor did we know that it was coming. But thankfully it was like during the day we were still super fresh like 50k you're still functioning quite well um mentally you're still quite strong it was light outside the weather was nice it wasn't too challenging of a terrain so we finished 7k um got to the fueling station and you just saw like everyone was like destroyed from that bout and then i was having a discussion with one of the uh, organizers and i'm like "Who who decided to put a 7k in here he's like He's like, that was not the difficult part. At the 85-kilometer mark, or the 80-kilometer mark, you're going to have a 5K uphill. He told you that? Yeah. Oh. You're going to have a 5K uphill. is much more challenging than this one. I was like, oh my God, okay. Lo and behold, we get to the 79K fueling station. And again, having conversation with people. And they were like, okay, it's about to get real. Like, this is apparently as well where a lot of people drop out. So Louie and I get started. Now, what we were told in passing is there's animals in this forest that we're about to go to. It's now, I think 8 PM, it's cold and it's dark, it's windy. Um, it had just rained. So you got to imagine the following scenario, five, five kilometers of uphill. You have a little like headlamp on so you can see probably like five meters in front of you. Um, there's mud. You have to cross streams. There were big rocks that we had to climb over, actually climb over. And we kept we kept going and like catching our breath every like three, four minutes. My heart rate reached 195 at one point, which was like filthy. <laughs> um, and then Louie and I walk. And so, okay, a few things here. We're walking up this hill and in this forest, you've got like these massive tree trunks, like the huge width, 40 meters high. And like, they're just the tree trunks. Uh, so there's no leaves or anything on it. Oh we get to this point and looking left and right, there's probably a hundred, like a hundred meters in both sides, there's these tree trunks uh, and probably like 200 meters ahead. First thing that happens is we get there and we just get hit by this crazy wind. Right, like super cold, chilly ass wind. That was one thing. The second thing is we were walking. It starts becoming very quiet. And we just hear this like loud, like thumping sound of like an an animal basically walking across. And Louie and I like just quickly glance at each other. We didn't even say a word and we just sped up like the walking and we just kept going. So that was one thing. Then I started hallucinating. Oof. Yeah, so that was a, that was a very… And I knew this was going to happen. Like, everyone told me you're going to hallucinate. But basically, I started seeing… So these tree trunks, some of them were white. So a mixture of white and darkness. I started hallucinating. So I started seeing, like, skeletons. Like, every time I looked at them, like, a skeleton would kind of pop out towards me. Pop out towards me. And I was like, yo, this is… Uh, and the thing is, you ca- like, there's, a, like, you, I'm not really telling myself this is not real. This is real, right? Like it's just like you have to deal with it on the spot, which was super, super hard. Um, and all the while, we're going uphill. Like it's five kilometers, just going uphill, and um, and I would see Louis. So Louis was in front of me. I would look forward, and just look at his reaction every time we get to the top of one hill, and I could see by his body language if he's like, if his body language is negative or positive, if there was another uphill coming across. So I think that was the hardest. Yeah, I think that was the hardest part was that five kilometers. But after we finished that, so we, that five kilometers just ended at like the 87, 88 mark. After that, we knew it was going to be all downhill um, until like closer to the finish. So we knew that if we got past that, like we could pass past any, anything. We get to the fueling station after this 5k which was what 90 89 89 okay yeah yeah 89 there was another the last fueling station before uh before we finished and it was like i don't know how to explain it but like we walked in and it was like the energy of the room it felt like someone had died you know like it was like you see all these people sitting out sitting Some were just staring in front of them. Some were asleep. Um, Some people like looked afraid. Others were just like exhausted and depleted. And this was a point where like they told us there were like a lot of people drop out and um, 240 people started the race, 190 or something finished. So 50 people dropped out. And those 50 people dropped out either because of situations like this, like they just couldn't continue after that. Uh, they didn't make the cutoff times because you needed to get to each fueling yeah. station at a particular time. Um, or they got injured or whatever else. But like there was literally like 10 people in that room. And I told Lou, I was like, yo, we need to get out of here like ASAP because yeah. I don't want to get dragged yeah, yeah, into yeah. this energy. Like yeah, I just yeah. want to take my stuff and go. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's what we did. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, no. No. The hallucinations were the worst. Bro.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like by the way, even while you were speaking at it, I think you went through like because You're like you had your like you, you crossed your hands and you're like sitting and you're like talking about it like this. <laughs> when you look when you look at the footage, look at yourself as soon as it was, <laughs> we talked about hallucination and those trees. Um throughout the race, were you talking to yourself as first person or third person?
1: Um it was more like a, you got this bro sort of thing. I don't know if that's third or first. Maybe it's second. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what what were you telling yourself? How were you speaking to yourself? Um, So, to give a bit of context, before we started the race, like, we didn't give each other any outs. And by no outs, I mean, like, the only way that we were not going to finish this run is if we broke something. Right? Like, Mm. if I broke my ankle or broke my leg or whatever, obviously, I'm not going to, like, I might have, tried to continue, but like, I probably wouldn't finish it. There was no other out. Okay. Right?
0: And what was, what were you telling yourself? Not to do it to yourself.
1: Which was, which was pretty much that. Okay. Like every time, every time things got a little hard, specifically on that last uphill, Mm -hmm. every time things got a little hard, I was like, there's no out. Okay. Like, there's no out. Like, you're going to do this. Um, There was also moments of, um, you know, thinking about other people So I would think about friends. I would think about family. And I would think about like how proud they would be when you finish and cross the finish line and all that kind of stuff. You also start envisioning, and I've done this since I started training, very powerful tool, is is envisioning you crossing the finish line, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, manifesting it basically. Like, oh, this is what I'm gonna do. This is the celebration I'm gonna do. This is my facial reaction. This is what you're gonna feel. You're gonna start doing all those things. Another thing, and this, I don't know if this answers your question, but it's more about like, how do you not quit? Yeah. It's, it's thinking about, imagine you quit. Like imagine the feeling of quitting. Like imagine like at 89, you say, you know what? Too hard. I'm not going to do it. And you're like, at that point, well, it was 103 kilometers. So you're 14 kilometers away from achieving this goal that you trained for a year for. Imagine quitting at 89 and imagine getting into the shower. Like for the first, (laughs) Two minutes, you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, the shower is amazing." Then you're gonna be like, "I can't believe I quit." True. Like if I could go back right yeah, now yeah. and finish it, I would. Right? It's just because a momentary, it's this momentary lapse of um, of mental toughness and pushing through. So these were all of the things that I kept telling myself. But the, the biggest cheat code for me was there was no out. Like did I break something? No. Okay, cool. Keep going. You know, um, and you adjust accordingly. Like when yeah. when you're out of breath take a second you know like when you have a bit of pain like analyze what's going on like what's the next what's the solution to it i um at the 50k mark i started feeling my it band and i was like oh my god 50k to go with this um and a video that i watched recently says don't give your pain a voice Mm. meaning just don't acknowledge it don't acknowledge it as an injury right like just it is what it is keep going Because as soon as you say, okay, ah, like this hurts a little bit, all the other little aches and pains in your body, you're gonna be like, hey, what about me? What about me? Right? And then you're gonna be like, oh, like you guys got me, and then it's just game over. Um, So there were all these little tricks that I would play on my own mind, which were very helpful. And we went through like we passed a few people who had this like super negative demeanor, right? Like. I don't think I can do this. I'm, I'm like, yo, don't, don't talk to me about this. I'm yeah, not your, yeah, yeah. I'm not your guy. Go here. drink wine. Yeah. Yeah. Go drink some wine and like call it a day. But like, I'm not here to, I'm not here for you, unfortunately. Yeah. Typically I would be, but like, this is, this is all me <laughs> yeah, yeah. today. So,
0: um, so, Reem, Reem Hamid, uh, she sent me an article and you mentioned, uh, and I want to and I want to ask you about that, where it says that, um, endurance athletes, ultra athletes, um, they when they decide to do something or before a race when when they decided like way time before their their motivation is divided into four so there is a psychological motivation so that's like life meaning self-esteem etc there's achievement which means personal goals competition there's social which is either affiliation or recognition um, and then there's physical which is health orientation weight concern do you, did you did you sit down beforehand and state these wise or, or divided your motivations. One, did you do that? What were they per the categories we just mentioned? And how often did you remind yourself
1: or what was the most important one of these four categories? Can we go, can we go one by one? Mm. So the first one you said was psychological, psychological, which would mean what? Like life meaning self-esteem. Yeah. Um, psychological for me was, uh, proving a point. Right? And I think this was one of my why's I mentioned at the beginning, It was like proving a point to myself where it's like, like imagine you can do this. Like what's going to happen to your mind and body? Like the, imagine the transformation you're going to go through. And if you do this, imagine how you can influence and inspire other people to either for them to run 100K yeah. or for them to run or for them to pick up something else. That was, because when I mentioned my why initially, I think those were two yeah. separate points. Those two points were for me the most important thing, like by far, and I reminded myself of those all the time. Okay. But you also envision yourself already like as an ultra runner. Like for me, when I was training for it, I never run more than 42, right? I was already a 100K finisher. I already put myself in that yeah. bracket where I was like, no, 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 this is, it's done. Like, I'm, I'm, this is who, I'm gonna embody this and Strong. live it and breathe it. Yeah. yeah. So that's psychological.
0: Um, achievement which means it's like a personal goal or like that competitive nature that you had of doing something or beating people or doing something that people aren't going to do which is I think that falls to what you mentioned about being uncommon
1: yeah being uncommon for me was very very important um I I just believe in like living a life of discomfort like doing things that make you extremely uncomfortable like because within that you'll find growth and you'll find fulfillment, mm. uh, it's a very strange thing, right? Because you're putting your body through agony week in, week out. And then even when you finish a race, it's like, okay, what's next? Like, it's like an itch um, that you're trying to scratch. But like within that discomfort, there lies so much growth. Yeah. There lies so much growth. So, um, so for me, that's how I like to look at living life and all the goals that I set, not all the goals that I set, but like goals that I set that are larger are always gonna fall within that category. Where it's like, is this going to push me outside of like my day-to-day, my comfort zone, my this, my that? Do I need to transform and become better at what I do or better at life in order to achieve this goal? Yes, yes. Okay, let's do it. Uh,
0: Social. So social is more about affiliation, recognition, which I'm guessing is like the shallowest one out of the categories. But like, was that something here where I want to do this because I want to be affiliated with Mm. ultramarathon athletes or with performing athletes and not just people that are doing it as a hobby? um yeah do you want it because you want to be part of certain communities in globally because not everyone does 100k so was that that was that reason in your head or was it more like subconsciously like you were doing it but you just never said it out loud or never thought of it out loud
1: yeah so i started thinking about this out loud only when um uh, maybe a little <laughs> bit while i was doing it like i definitely wanted to be known as like part of the 100k club yeah but also i just want to be known as like a savage like <laughs> i wanted to be known i want to be known as like a beast Right. Like I don't want to I don't want to come across as someone who like settles, as someone who does the bare minimum. Like I wanna be known as someone who sets obscene goals for himself and achieves them. Like someone who doesn't just like talk about it, but someone who does it. Because like you know this, I know this. So many people we speak to are just all talk. And like I now quickly pick up on it where I'm like, You're not gonna do that. You're not going to do that. And I want to be known as someone. I say it, it's going to happen. Yeah. I want to be known as that person. And that might be a bit like, I don't know what the word is. Um, cocky. I don't, no, I don't no, know. Don't, don't do that. Don't no, try no, to but, find like an, no, say that it is no, it's you not. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm still a humble person. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, like I'm not, I don't want to be full of myself. Um, but at the same time, I want to be known as someone who just like kills it. Simple. The last
0: one is physical. So it's like more health orientation, weight concern. Was that anything? Like, were you doing it to become healthier or
1: something? Or like that was like, you knew that was part of the process. No, let me make it very clear. Like running 100K is not healthy.
0: And it doesn't give you a six
1: pack. It doesn't give you a six pack. (laughs) Like you lose muscle, you burn 10,000 calories in one run. Um, But there's ways to mitigate damage, I suppose. Like that's why we built a lot of muscle in advance. Like, I didn't have any injuries. Like people are like, oh, how are your knees and how are your back? I'm like zero problems because I've trained for those. Um, and I found ways to optimize it. Like for me, energy optimization was very important because if I'm running six hours, like the next day, I didn't wanna be in a position where I couldn't work, yeah. right? Or like I couldn't focus. Like it was very important for me that like, I still had businesses to run. So I still needed to f- give my attention to that too. Um, So that was very important for me to just mitigate that. And that came through like all the recovery strategies we spoke about. It came through predominantly sleep and supplementation and nutrition. Um, But I didn't do it for, to become healthier.
0: No. Now, take me, we're we're, we're, we're close to the finish line Mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. Now, take me through the last 5K and then that feeling of crossing the finish line. Okay.
1: So we... Um, every every so often in this race, you cross like a security checkpoint and the security will then communicate to the finish line, okay, cool, these guys, number 14 and number this have just crossed. What was your number? 14. Okay. Um, I can't remember what Louis, I think Louis was like 16 or something. Number 14 and 16 have just crossed the security checkpoint and so they know you're X amount of time away. We got to 97, I think. We were at 97 and we passed a security checkpoint and the guy was like, oh, you're four kilometers away. And I looked at my watch and I'm like, I think we're like seven kilometers away. Um, I was like, aren't we like seven kilometers? He's like, no, 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 four kilometers, hundred percent. I was like, I looked at Louie, I was like, yo, only 4K away, this is amazing. I thought it was longer than this. My watch must be wrong. We get 4K in, we're in the middle of a forest. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> we're in the middle of a forest. And Louie and I looked at each other and we were like, just gotta lie to us. Or he just like, he's either very evil or he just didn't know. <laughs> uh, like it's part of like, you know, tactics. Yeah, yeah. And these things start getting to you, you know, cause that part, like we're like 20 hours in bro. Like when you're, when you're at 101K and then you still have these two, three kilometers to go. It makes a huge difference, yeah. right? Then um, we get to, we get to like let's call it civilization. Like we get to a road where there's people yeah. and like whatever. And again, there's a security checkpoint. And we were like, which way do we go? She was like, that way. I was like, okay, fantastic. How far are we? She's like, one kilometer. We are like one k. We're like we'll be there in a few minutes. Yeah. Do one kilometer. We're in like some like some field somewhere. And I was like, she also lied to us. This is horrible. (laughs) And at this point, both of us were, like we weren't, uh, how do I explain this? Like we were actually tired. Yeah. Like we were ready to go to sleep. You know, like that was the feeling because you're up for, at this point, 22 hours. Like we're almost 20 hours into the race. Um, So that part was a bit, like was quite tough, but it was just like something, okay, let's just get through it. Let's just keep, keep going, keep going. And then these evil organizers, <laughs> 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 the last, the last kilo, like kilometer of the race is uphill, so it's not like they could finish on a flat, mm. right? Like they had to do another uphill. So we're just constantly marching uphill. Then there's like a staircase, I'm like a staircase really. Like you had to help, like you had to make us climb upstairs. We climb up these stairs, and then we recognize because it's the same as the starting point. Yeah. Like so, we recognize. Okay, cool, we're here. Um... So we get to probably like 100 meters from the finish line. And at that point, like we had friends who came and supported us from uh, from Wales. Us my, my wife was obviously there. And so you start hearing the cheers and like you start hearing the people cheering and the organizers and like whatever else. And that's when it was like, it wasn't emotional though. Like it wasn't like a, I thought I was gonna like break down and cry, you know? But I think like you're so emotionally and physically depleted at that point Where it's more like, oh, my God, I did it. Like, it's done. Like, we can go to sleep now. You know? And um, it was... Yeah. It was a very, very memorable, like, magical moment. Um, Yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. What was the first thing you told
0: yourself when you crossed the finish line?
1: You did it. You did it. Like, it's something that no one can take away from you. Right? Like, everyone who whether you doubted it publicly towards me, whether you doubted it privately. For me, it's never really about that. Like, it's not about proving people wrong, but it is about doing things that no one can take away from you. Like, I would have forever run 103 kilometers. You know, no one's going to tell me you didn't because I can show you. Um, so that was something that was very, very powerful, I think. Like that feeling of cool, you've done, like you've put in the work for a year and this is like the fruits of your labor, right? Like this is now you've completed it. Yeah, no, it was powerful. It was a very powerful feeling, very powerful feeling. And uh, (laughs) I mean, we were, then we went home. So we finished, we got the medal, we got in the car, cheers, obviously like uh, Asma was like so proud and um, my friends were super proud. I was proud, Louis was happy. We got home, man, like having to sho- let me tell you something, having to shower <laughs> after like being on your feet for that long, just having the, the process of taking your socks off is just horrifying. Um, but whatever, we showered, I ate whatever I saw what lying lying in our kitchen. I think we had like two slices of pizza that were left over from earlier that day and like without telling anyone i just grabbed them and started eating them and like had some fruit and water and whatever else and then just passed out like
0: no stretching no nothing or... no oh, okay no what would you do differently stefan
1: sticks 100 percent. 100 for anyone who's gonna run an ultra like buy sticks try different ones uh see what <laughs> see what works for you use them in your training like that's one thing I would do for sure. I would study the roots better. Yeah, um, that would be another thing. I would. Um, no, I think that's about it. I think that's about it. Those are the those are the main things.
0: Would you do it again, or do you now have another goal that you're set upon?
1: Should I announce it? I have one. Announce it. So, so we thought about, and this is like this is how um, twisted my brain is. Hmm. The day after the race, Louis and myself were on a train from Florence to Rome. Uh, it's a whole story in and of itself, but like never make the decision to travel the day after your ultra. (laughs) That's another thing. Make sure you're in a hotel with food nearby. Um, it was the worst muscle pain I've ever had in my life. I couldn't walk for two days. But with that said, we were like, what's next? It's crazy. Like how do you even think about that? Like I'm You're still on a high, that's why. No, but I'm stunned by the fact that I've put myself my body through 20 hours of pain. I woke up not being able to walk. I'm on a train and I hate my life at that moment. Like all I want to like all I want to do is be in bed and just have like a plate of pasta next to me. Um we were like what's next? And we didn't really answer it on the spot. We were like it's got to be crazier than this. Right? Like there's no way we're going to do less than 100k. Um, or 100K again. (laughs) Yalla, announce it, bro. So… What's the suspense? (laughs) So, recently, I think like two weeks ago, uh, we had a chat and Tarek Rumi, (laughs) Uh the owner of Modern Nutrition, messaged me and he was like, he was like, yo, like, what if you just do something in the UAE? I was like, okay, cool. So what we decided was uh, seven days, seven Emirates, seven marathons. So… Marathon a day a for row? seven days, yeah, like so, like a marathon a day for seven days in each emirate um, is option number one. Option number two is to run across the UAE. Oh, how many kilometers is that? I think it's like I think it's like four hundred something.
0: Well, it's feasible, like in terms of route.
1: That's what we that's what we're now in the process of deciding. Um, the first one just sounds a lot sexier as well. So, <laughs> and I think it's a much a little bit easier to organize. Um, and I think it'll be a bit more fun as well because I think if you're running from whatever, Ras al-Khaimah to Abu Dhabi and beyond um, I think it's just going to be a lot of desert and like you can't really plan the route and, So you're running
0: from Emirates to Emirates or in each Emirates you're going to run a marathon? In each
1: Emirates we're going to run a marathon Okay And so one, we wanted to, I wanted to do something at home right, I want to do something here in the UAE two is I think it's something cool that people can join in for Like, if someone wants to run their first marathon, for instance, they can just pick a day and, like, join us. Um, Yeah. And three, like, we're just going to look at, like, putting together a team of people who might be crazy enough to join us and, like...
0: When are you thinking of doing it?
1: Think, like, uh, February. Next year? Yeah. I think February. I think the next few months I'm just going to focus on my strength training because, like, I've I've just been depleted of muscle. So I'm going to focus on my strength training. And then... Like get back to it. I've already messaged my coach. I was like, "Hey, like, want to do this? Do you think it's possible?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah of course." And then that was the end of the conversation.
0: Stefan Muller, honestly and personally, you inspire me. I love you, and I think like you know, a couple of days before I was speaking with uh, with Hannah, and she was and and because I I went on my first run after the injury, which was last Sunday, and I did a I did a five k in five forty average pace and she goes like you know what you you actually run well yeah you do i don't like do i and then she started playing with my head on a 21k yeah to do a 21k and i think after this conversation i'm gonna announce Ooh. that i've decided now just because of talking to you that i'm gonna do a 21k oh honestly man like when, i don't uh, i when? don't know but like i just decide, like step one is deciding all okay right? now i'll figure out where in the world you'll help me yeah yeah, yeah. okay but let's figure out about Honestly, listening to you, talking, and I've known you for a very long time mm-hmm. and I've seen you through various stages. Um, legend, savage, and truly uncommon. And I can't wait to see what you do next, not just with the UAE, but I probably know you're also thinking about other stuff as well. And I and I want to see you throughout this ultra, not just the running ultra, but also what you're going to do with the business, family, hopefully.
1: Huh, um, and everything to come. I appreciate it. And really, I mean... I just want to make it very clear that like anyone can be uncommon. Like you can all be, you know, you can set crazy goals and and achieve them yourself. I think it's just a matter of making that decision and creating a plan, sticking to it, and, and like building an ecosystem of people around you that are going to help you achieve that. Because if you're around energy drainers. It's never going to happen. If you're only going to be around people who tell you like, don't step out of your comfort zone, just like do what you're supposed to be doing versus like what you think is right to do. Um, I think if you get into that mindset, like now the, the feeling that you get is like a limitless feeling, you know, like nothing, there's nothing you can't do, um, whether from a mindset standpoint or from a physical standpoint. So. I appreciate the kind words and uh, this has been a lot of fun.